BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And welcome to the Water Cooler, everybody. Glad you're with us. I'm David Brody. It's Wednesday, March 24th, 2021. We begin today with this thought. Imagine an America with stricter gun control laws, amnesty for tens of millions of illegal immigrants, and a voting system controlled by Democrats in Washington, D.C. All three of those crucial issues are in today's news. And trust me, the Biden administration and Democrats in Congress would love to invoke all three of them with one action. So let me make clear right here, right now, what that action is. These next four words describe the biggest and most immediate threat to our nation and our republic as we know it. Here are the words. Here we go. Remove the legislative filibuster. I want to repeat it again. There it is on the screen. Remove the legislative filibuster. Look, folks, what Joe Biden and the Democrat leadership would really love to do is pass all this controversial legislation with just 50 votes. They can do that if they remove the legislative filibuster. That right now requires 60 votes. That means they need 10 Republicans to go along with that, and that just ain't happening. Progressives say, hey, go for it. Blow it up. Pass everything. Change America for good. Have a big old Karl Marx party complete with free copies of his communist manifesto and a Bernie Sanders signed T-shirt. Now, at first, it was believed that Democrats weren't going to go there on the filibuster. Now, there is renewed talk and interest of actually doing just that. Uh, The Boulder mass shooting has put gun control legislation back in the news. Democrats salivating to pass laws without GOP support. President Biden, by the way, is first trying to do the traditional route. I don't need to wait another minute, let alone an hour, to take common sense steps I will save the lives in the future and to urge my colleagues in the House and Senate to act. We can ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines in this country once again. The United States Senate, I hope some are listening, should immediately pass the two House pass bills that close loopholes in the background check system. These are bills that receive votes of both Republicans and Democrats in the House. This is not and should not be a partisan issue. This is an American issue. It will save lives, American lives. And we have to act. We should also ban assault weapons in the process. Oh, yeah, assault weapons. Uh, Then there is the issue of immigration, all right? We all know about the crisis at the southern border. Congress can never get anything done on this issue. So changing the filibuster rule would give Democrats a green light to pass their wildest dreams on illegal immigration and thus secure what they believe will be generations of future national election wins. And while we're on the top of, uh, topic excuse me, of elections, today in the Senate, they held a hearing on the very toxic and controversial H.R. 1. Uh, the House has already passed it. Now it's the Senate's turn. And if they change the filibuster, this could become law. So basically what it would do is essentially federalize national elections. It would override state laws and voter ID, mail-in balloting, on and on it goes. Democrats, like Senate Rules Committee Chairman Amy Klobuchar, says the GOP is trying to suppress the vote. At a time when the right to vote is under attack and special interests and dark money are drowning out the voices of the American people, 
we need to take action. Last November, in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a public health crisis, nearly 160 million Americans voted, more people than ever before, in part because the methods of voting, specifically ways that we made it easier to vote, were extended in states across the country. That was an extraordinary thing. That was progress. But what was the result? Well, just since the beginning of this year, now over 300 bills have been introduced in state legislatures across the country in nearly every state, including my own home state of Minnesota. Uh, efforts have been made to suppress the vote. Efforts have been made to introduce bills that would suppress the vote. Yeah, by the way, what was that sound? Anyhow, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell says hogwash. Actually, he would say it like a hogwash, hogwash to all of that. He explains what the bill really is about. States are not engaging in trying to suppress uh, voters whatsoever. This is clearly an effort by one party to rewrite the rules of our political system. But even more immediately, it would create an implementation nightmare, as Senator Blunt pointed out, that would drown state and local officials who run elections. This proposal needs all the scrutiny it can get, and I'm glad we're all here to give it that scrutiny. This legislation. All right, so to summarize, for H.R. 1, immigration bills, and gun control legislation to become the law of the land, Democrats could resort to those four words. Remember, remove the legislative filibuster. And we would now wait to see their next move on all of this. Joining me to discuss this and all the issues uh, that we've talked about here, the editor-in-chief of War Room, Liz Harrington. Liz, uh, look, you, you know Democrats are chomping at the bit to change that filibuster rule. Uh, they've got Democrats like Manchin and Kirsten Sinema. They seem opposed, but who knows at this point? So that could change. What's your take on, on what's happening here? Well, this is a new breed of the Democrat Party. This is more radical than we've ever seen. This is what we warned against. They were not shy last year about their intentions of getting rid of the filibuster, of packing the Supreme Court, of making D.C. and Puerto Rico to have a one-party system. And that's what H.R. 1 is. That's what all of these agenda items are. And I find it a little rich for Mitch McConnell to now say he has problems with this agenda when he was perfectly fine with suppressing the votes of Donald J. Trump. Because let's make no mistake here, the only voter suppression that happened last year was the votes, the legal votes for Donald J. Trump. That's what happened. They used rule changes that were unconstitutional to stuff the ballot box in an all hands on deck assault on our voting system to jam Joe Biden through. Joe Biden's not in charge here. Yeah. This is a radical, and they're not gonna stop. I mean, if they steal an election, do you think they have any qualms about getting rid of the filibuster? This is clearly their plan. This is what they wanna do. So Liz, just to clarify, Mitch McConnell, you're basically saying, I don't wanna put words in your mouth. What you're saying is when it came to Trump, he was silent on this. When it comes to securing Republican power uh, in terms of this federalizing of national elections, then all of a sudden uh, he, he, he sees warning signs here. Right, he was perfectly fine with the Uniparty's plan to get rid of Donald Trump. He was perfectly fine with the bending of the rules because that's what H.R. 1 is. H.R. 1 is what we saw on November 3rd, 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th. 
That's HR1, stuffing the ballot boxes, bringing ballots out in the middle of the night, this absolute mayhem with the mail-in ballot system where you can't tell what a legal vote is in this country. That's HR1. That's what happened on November 3rd. And Mitch McConnell didn't have a problem with that. He rubber stamped the fraud of the election. He didn't do anything to show the evidence during the sham impeachment. He was fine with it. So I don't want to hear from these rhino Republicans who, when it came down to it, when their principles were at stake, when the country was on the line, they did nothing. Yeah, put up or shut up in the moment is is the key for sure. Uh, Liz, uh, on immigration, before we let you go here, uh, the asylum issue is interesting because, you know, it is uh, technically U.S. law that if people come here claiming asylum, that, that we need to entertain that, uh, you know, from, from a legal perspective. Now, what does that mean exactly? I mean, I guess, what, what's the solution here? I know Lindsey Graham was out with a proposal to say, look, you want, you want asylum, fine, but we're going to house you. We're not housing you here in the United States because that leads to catch and release. This was the legal loophole that caused the border crisis that was coming up during the Trump administration. And what did he do? What did President Trump do? He put policies in place because Congress wouldn't do it. Republicans, Democrats, nobody would actually fix the root cause, which is this legal problem. Um, he went to Mexico. He threatened with tariffs. He got them to secure help in our border and help bring troops in. They put the remain in place uh, in Mexico policy. They ended catch and release. These are real solutions. And guess what? The crisis stopped. People weren't coming in once you knew you couldn't just raise your hand, say, oh, I get a court date and never show up again. Now all of that's out the window. This is an engineered, designed crisis to open up our borders and weaken the United States of America. And it's very, very troubling. You know, Joe Biden says, oh, he will act immediately to save lives when he wants to talk about confiscating legal law-abiding citizens' guns, well, he could save lives right now by enforcing the law on the border and stop the magnet of this flow of illegal immigration, which is killing not just Americans on our side of the border, but human beings taking this dangerous journey uh, and being yeah. sold into slavery to the cartels. That could save lives immediately, but they're not interested in that. They're only interested in their radical agenda. Liz Harrington, editor-in-chief of War Room, speaking with purpose and clarity uh, on the water cooler. We really appreciate you, Liz. Thank you so very much. All right, that's Liz Harrington. She agrees. I mean, because I gave her a compliment, so of course she's going to agree with that, I would think. Uh, trust me, she did. Uh, we'll follow up. Uh, coming next, Eric Greitens uh, running for uh, the Senate in Missouri. Hey, I know Eric Greitens. Wait a minute. I've got his cell number, I think. He's going to be on the show next. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. 
Welcome back to the Water Cooler, everybody. Uh, excited for this next guest. I actually know him. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of geeking out. All right, I'm not really geeking out, but I know him. Uh, and that's because uh, we have a headline to show you. Uh, there it is. Former Missouri governor uh, or GOP governor uh, Eric Reitens announces bid for state's open Senate seat. Uh, Roy Blunt is leaving. Uh, Eric Reitens uh, hoping to uh, grab that U.S. Senate seat uh, out in Missouri. And guess what, folks? I'm going to do the proverbial turn to the two shot. Uh, let's do that, shall we? And there he is. Here we are. Eric Reitens, the former uh, host of Actionable Intelligence. The former guest host of The Water Cooler. <laughs> I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, that, that's, that was big achievements in my life. Lots of things happened, but, right. you know, I, I like people to say, here's Eric, former guest host <laughs> right. of The Water Cooler. I bury the lead. Yes, I yes. bury the lead. All right, so, so you're in. Yes. Uh, give us kind of that elevator pitch. You know, what, what are you going to be telling the folks in, in Missouri as to why Eric Greitens needs to be the sure. next U.S. Senator? Yeah, so first I'll say, David, like, I, incredibly excited. Uh, We have had so much enthusiasm, and I've been so inspired by people around the state of Missouri, and I'm very excited to continue to serve them as their United States Senator. We're putting together a fantastic team. And look, I've spent my life in service. Um, As you know, one of the honors of my life was to serve as a Navy SEAL, uh, did deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan, I came back home after my team was hit by a suicide truck bomb and donated my combat pay to help other veterans who had post-traumatic stress disorder, who had traumatic brain injury. We were with a lot of men and women who were dealing with pain, who were dealing with suffering, and we helped them to save lives and to change lives, built, built a nationwide movement around welcoming our veterans home. And then I was honored to serve the people of Missouri as their governor. Uh, When Antifa came to Missouri, we stood side by side with our police officers. We defeated Antifa. We also took on the swamp. We killed a politician's pay raise. We ended a corrupt tax credit program that had benefited insiders and lobbyists for years. And we did all of this every day we fought for the people of Missouri. And today, I think that the people of Missouri need a fighter in the U.S. Senate. They need somebody who's going to defend President Trump's America First agenda and who's willing to protect the people of Missouri from this crazy leftist agenda that you're seeing from Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, and Chuck Schumer. You've been, been covering some of these issues like the border uh, right here on the program. We, we need strength. Let me ask you, you mentioned yeah. fighter, you mentioned yes. Trump. Uh, yes. Where are you on that Trump scale, if you will? You know, I've, I asked, we, we're going to have the governor uh, or a governor candidate from Virginia, Pete Snyder, on, and I'll yeah. ask him that question. But yeah. where are you on, on this Trump scale? Because, uh, you know, there, there's, a, there's a benefit to be kind of yeah. with him on certain yes. things. There can be a potential toxicity uh, as it relates to a general election. Where, where are you with, with I Trump? am a very strong defender of the president. Uh, when, when we were in office, I'll give you an example, when we had a Jewish cemetery that was defaced, a terrible act of vandalism. I told everybody, I'm going to be there the next day to help to beautify that cemetery. Got a call on our way from the president. He stood with me then. He stood with the people of Missouri then. When there were emergencies in the state of Missouri, he stood with us. When we defeated Antifa and we stood up for our police officers, he stood with us. And in the same way, I've stood uh, with the president because his policies work for the people of Missouri. Uh, For the first time, we've got peace in the Middle East. We've got broad-based prosperity that his policies brought about, the support for law and order. All of that, I think, is really important, and it's why the president is so so supported by uh, by the people of Missouri. Yeah, uh, the, the media, you, you knew this was coming. The media is going to ding you on some yes. of uh, these past controversies. Right. Uh, where, where are you? How do you kind of maneuver through that? Uh, you know, their narrative, the media's yes. narrative, yes. is that uh, these controversies 
could could be a problem for winning the U.S. Senate seat in Missouri. Uh, yeah. And so I'm wondering what you what you make of all of that. Yeah, what we do, David, is yeah. that we know that this big wave of leftist lies it eventually crashes on the rock of the facts, and so we're happy to let everybody know the facts. And that is that the Missouri Ethics Commission did a 20 month investigation. At the end of all of that, they said we found no evidence of any wrongdoing by Eric Reitens. Um, as you and some of your viewers may know, we were attacked by a George Soros-funded prosecutor. Her lead investigator has now been charged with seven felonies for perjury and evidence tampering for creating a false case against me. And a Missouri journalist has now admitted to paying $120,000 in cash to people who made false accusations against me. And I just say to everybody, look, uh, I know as a boxer, you can, you can be hit hard and you might lose a round, but you can still win the fight. I know as a Navy SEAL, you can lose a battle, but you can still win a war. And we're, we're in this to win it for the people of Missouri. Uh, any conversations with Donald Trump ever since, since you've announced? Or how? what's that like? You know, we, we've had tremendous support from a lot of folks on the president's team. So Rudy Giuliani uh, endorsed us. Bernie Carrick has endorsed us. Mm -hmm. Seb Gorka has endorsed us. Uh, former Secretary of the Interior and Navy SEAL Ryan Zinke has endorsed us. Uh, just today, Victoria Tenzing and Joe DeGeneva uh, endorsed us. Ann Dorn has just endorsed us. So uh, we have tremendous respect for the confidentiality of the president and his team's uh, process. Honored to have the support of, of all of these folks already. You, you expect to maybe talk to him soon? or uh, you, be, you be, on, be honored to talk to the president, of course, at his, at his convenience. Mm -hmm. yeah. Tell me about Missouri. What, what do voters want to see, do you believe, in, in a Senate candidate uh, and actually someone that can win a general election yeah. looking even past the primary, yeah. potentially? They want to see courage. This is a tough time in the country, and it is a tough time for a lot of Missouri families. There is increasing violence in places like St. Louis and Kansas City. Murders are on the rise. They know when I was governor, I was always willing to take on the tough fights always willing to do what needed to be done, and that's what they want to see. They're not looking for somebody with an R behind their name. They're looking for somebody who's willing to stand up and to fight for them when things are hard. And whether that's against the left or against the swamp, we're going to do it. I guess my last question to yeah. you is, what's, what's your biggest challenge ahead? What, what, do you, what do you need to overcome, not personally, but just kind of uh, professionally, uh, yeah. just as it relates to the Senate race. What, what's what's going to be your biggest challenge ahead? Well, look, uh, we know as long as we get our message out to the grassroots, we win. And we think it's a mark of pride that the mainstream media, that the left, that the swamp's going to come after us. And we know every day we're going to be fighting with the swamp, fighting with the mainstream media. But at the end of the day, the truth will prevail. At the end of the day, light does cut through the darkness and the folks on the grassroots are behind us and it's why I'm so enthusiastic about this campaign. You think they see you as a threat. I mean, you're getting Oh, we do. We were a threat. You're the, the former left, governor yes. of Missouri. When, and when Antifa came, we defeated That's them. Big. We That's defeated big. them with strength and compassion, David. Strength and com protected everyone's constitutional rights and we showed it could be done. Yeah. You can defeat Antifa and protect everyone's constitutional rights at the same time. We did it, and it's why a George Soros-funded prosecutor attacked us. Eric Reitens, great to see you Thank again, you, David. sir. Thank you, In a sir. new role. Thank you. All the Thank best. You. All right, when we come back, uh, another gubernatorial uh, candidate, well, we had a Senate candidate here, gubernatorial candidate Pete Snyder, Virginia, a Republican, trying to win in 2021, back in a moment. 
Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. You know, we talk a lot about these 2022 races, the midterms and all that. Hold on. What happened to 2021? That's the year we're in. Virginia does those off-year elections. God bless them. They do one term as governor, all of that. Uh, and we want to talk about the Virginia gubernatorial election that's coming up in November. Got to get through the primaries first. And one of those primary candidates on the Republican side, Pete Snyder, uh, who joins us right now here on the water cooler. Pete, good to see you again, sir. Hey, David. Great to be with you. Well, give, give me the elevator pitch. Uh, you're, you're running. You've, it's a crowded field. Uh, what sets you apart from some of these other candidates, Pete? What sets me apart is I'm not a career politician. Uh, I've come from the private sector. I'm a small business guy, but I've been in our conservative movement for the past 25 years, toiling with so many, fighting for life, fighting for justice, fighting for liberty. And uh, we have an amazing opportunity in Virginia this year. I know in the past 10 years or so, it's been tough going for Republicans. But I got to tell you, we have a governor that has bungled this pandemic, something fierce. We have 83% of our students in Virginia public schools aren't in the classroom five days a week and teachers aren't in the classroom. It has been an absolute catastrophe. And we are taking on the teachers unions toe to toe every single day, putting pressure on them to get our kids back in schools. And it is gonna be a huge, huge sell uh, in the fall because Democrats and independents are even fed up. They are tired of paying taxes through the nose uh, and they're not getting the product from government. Their kids are stuck at home. They've had to cut back from full-time work to part-time work to be educator in chief to their kids. We have a constitutional responsibility to educate our children and it's not getting done. So we're leading yeah. that charge and that's why we're gonna win on May 8th. So, so Pete, what is the plan on COVID then? I know there's, there's this 30-day, uh, Virginia 30-day fund uh, that, that really has been instrumental, what you, what you have done there regarding small businesses. Explain that because that, that seems to be a linchpin, a, a big part of what you're talking about here. Well, David, thanks so much. Uh, you know, I'm a small businessman. My, my wife and I have worked with small businesses for years. We saw these horrific government shutdowns uh, and executive orders coming from Ralph Northam and happening in states all across the country. And we said to ourselves, oh my gosh, you know, the average small business only has two weeks of cash reserves on hand. Most people aren't ever gonna get PPP or SBA loans. We need to step up and, and help give them a lifeline. So we created a nonprofit called the Virginia 30 Day Fund. Uh, and David, when you're slow like me and you name your nonprofit the 30 Day Fund, I don't know, you probably think you're only gonna need to be around for 30, maybe 45 days or so. Remember when we were fed this two weeks and we'll flatten the curve garbage over a year ago? Well, it's been an entire year and I'm proud to say that Virginians are generous, Americans are generous. We have helped save nearly a thousand small businesses all across Virginia and nearly 3,000 all across America and have teamed up with great people like Sarah Sanders and also uh, yeah. Barstool Sports, we're running the Barstool Fund with them. And we've raised $47 million 
all for small business. We're a zero overhead operation, so every nickel of it goes to those in need. Uh, Pete, I've got to ask you, I saw a headline the other day caught my attention. Uh, it was just actually in the last 24 hours or so, you actually uh, talked about uh, kind of beating up the Democrats, if you will. And I want to read you a little bit of that. Uh, uh, there's some video attached to it as well, but we'll just show you the headline. Uh, Virginia gubernatorial candidate uh, talks about that and says, uh, no matter what happens on May 8th, I'm a true conservative, I'm a team player. And then you go on to say Democrats only see race and color. Then you say, you talked about the black and blue signs there, and then you say that's what Travis and I, you're anyway, obviously, Travis, uh, what we're going to do together, we're going to beat up the Democrats, make them uh, that black and blue. Uh, I know you're taking some hits for that, but so why don't you explain a little bit about what you want to, what you want to do uh, regarding the Democrats, because Virginia has uh, really turned blue at this point, and what has happened in the state? Hey, David, I'm not taking any hits on that. I, mean, I love that the, the woke left is so sensitive yeah, the woke that they left, can't yeah. take a joke. I was campaigning with a, a candidate from Southwest Virginia who won in by nearly 80, 80% of the vote last night in Southwest Virginia. His signs were black, mine were blue, we're campaigning together. And you know what? Republican voters are tired of losing. They're tired of people that, uh, that pull their punches. They want a fighter, and I'm a fighter. And you know what? I'm taking it to the woke mob. I'm taking it to the teachers' unions, and we are fighting back. These people are trying to silence us through cancel culture. They're, they're obeying the teachers' unions and letting our kids and teachers be locked out of our schools. And you know what? I'm going to fight. And let's be honest. You know, I'm probably going to be going up against Terry McAuliffe. That guy is a killer. And, and if you're if we're whining and complaining, we won't last one round with Terry McAuliffe. Yeah, I have fighting me. I'm a former college wrestler. I've been in our conservative movement for 25 years. I can go to toe to toe with Terry and we're going to finally put a stake in the heart of the old tired Clinton machine. Hey, Pete, uh, as we wrap up here, where are you on the, as I like to call it, the Trump meter, if you will? Uh, as, you know, you've got some other candidates, especially there's a, I know there's a, a woman in the race uh, who is uh, they call her Trump in heels. Uh, you know, she, she's been very vocal in her support for Trump. Where are you specifically on that? And how important is that uh, in the in the primary coming or excuse sure, me? In the sure, election David. I respect the president. I miss the president. I'm the only one in this entire field of all these since crowded field of gubernatorial candidates that actually supported the president in 2016 and in 2020 and put my money where my mouth is and, and financially helped out twice. I was elected and elected um, a delegate for President Trump in 2020. I'm the only one in the field. And you know what? Seeing just the horrible uh, policy coming out of, out of Washington completely off the rails, you know, so many Americans miss Donald Trump right now. Uh, and, his, and his America first policies. And I'm gonna make sure that we have common sense America first policies in Virginia. That's why President Trump's entire uh, immigration team of Ken Cuccinelli, Tom Homan, Tony Pham, who ran ICE, and also Mark Morgan, who ran the largest law enforcement bureau in America, US Customs, have all endorsed me. Uh, so uh, we're gonna give the fight to the Democrats. They may complain right now, but guess what? Victory will be sweet on November 2nd when we shock the world, David, and we start the comeback that our country desperately needs. And Virginia is going to lead again and we will help lead the way.
Well, Pete Snyder, we're going to find out soon. We really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, you say you're a fighter, and, and they're going to need a fighter to beat McAuliffe if that's the guy in, in November. Thanks so much, Pete. Really appreciate it. Thank you, David. Thanks for all you do. All right. Uh, Pete Snyder here on the water cooler. Uh, and let me just say, uh, let's be clear uh, where the key vote is. Yes, so we know about rural West, uh, excuse me, rural Virginia, but those Washington, D.C. suburbs, the experts, uh, that is where a lot of this vote comes from. Uh, and what Pete Snyder and some of the Republicans, whoever ends up being the nominee, is going to have to do some serious damage like they used to do in the past. They haven't recently. We're back in a moment. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Hey, a news flash to the Biden administration. There's a crisis at the border. I said it. Uh, I'm sorry. They probably think it's just a situation. They're handling it. Sure, they're handling it. All right. Uh, that's the analysis portion. Let's get to the reporting portion of the segment, shall we? Uh, ben Burkwam, uh, Real America's Voice correspondent there near McAllen, Texas, down there by the border. Uh, ben, great to see you, sir. Hey, it's great to be back on with you, David. Uh, ben, you have done some uh, not only frontline reporting, but some uh, amazing reporting with some amazing sights and sounds down there. Uh, give us your impressions overall of what you've seen and what people need to understand in terms of what's happening at the border. Well, uh, first off, it's an incredible crisis. It's a major crisis. It's not a concern. It's not a, uh, it's, it's not a small issue. This is national security crisis, uh, and it's only getting worse. I've, I've traveled uh, from Tijuana. Now we're on the west, or east coast of the border. And everywhere I go, the look of desperation on Border Patrol's face tells the story. These guys, uh, they're overrun. They're overwhelmed. And we're anticipating the numbers I'm hearing now, over 100,000 children, uh, you know, seven, 18 and below or below 18 going to be coming across this year. Uh, if it continues at the rate that we're seeing now, over a million illegals crossing, it's going to be a disaster for not just the border towns, but for all of America. Uh, and, and this is on top of what we're seeing with COVID, lockdowns all across our country. And yet, talking to Border Patrol, we're going to be going to a place later today where they're sending the, so the, the, the illegals that come across with COVID. And they're not even, they don't even have the manpower to, to keep them locked down. So these people are just simply walking around. Then they're shipping them into our country. This is a disaster. And it's also a disaster for Mexico, what we see and the people that are coming across. People are being smuggled. We've got uh, human trafficking at a level that we haven't seen in decades. Uh, this is modern day slavery. Uh, ben, I I've been down to the border a few times. I was in the Yuma sector uh, down there uh, and you usually get escorted around by Border Patrol. They kind of take you to places where you can you can go. Uh, what's your access like? Are you how is this working for you down there? How are you getting around? It's interesting. Everywhere is kind of different. Yesterday, we had uh, awesome access down in Brownsville. We got to go everywhere we wanted. I actually got video footage of a raft of a cartel coyote taking a woman and two children across the Rio Grande. We actually caught it live as it was happening. Uh, really great access there. You come over to places like Hidalgo, and the problem is you run into other federal agencies. IBWC is one of the worst, and they prevent people from coming out. They know what's happening, but they use the federal agency water protection. Uh, acts and that sort of thing to stop people from going where they don't want them to go. So a little less access here. We found uh, we got some intel from a Border Patrol agent on where to go. And we're actually en route to that now, kind of a back circuitous way of going. But behind me, you can see we're actually in a park, a state park here. And there are paths that go through the park all the way. You, you can basically find out where these guys are going by the paths that go through this really dense, dense brush behind me. And you find that all over the border, 2000 miles long of border. 
And, and rather than where I grew up in the, in the country, we had cattle trails here. It's human trails where people cross the border and then they make their way up through this dense brush to try to get picked up and moved into America. You know, it's been a, it's been a few years since uh, since I've been at the border. It was actually before the Trump administration. I'm curious about the border wall specifically of what you've seen, because when I was there, and this was years ago, this was uh, during the Obama years, th there would be a border wall in certain places, but then at the bottom of the wall, there was like this five to seven foot gap uh, where people could just go under the wall. I mean, you'd have to climb over. You could just literally go under it. They said it was, Border Patrol said it was because of irrigation uh, issues down there, that that's why there was this gap. And I was like, really? I mean, this doesn't look too secure. What's the wall specifically kind of looking like in certain spots? Well, it, it's, it's like you said, it, it's hit and miss. So some places we have really secure walls. Some areas we have 30 foot and even 35 foot wall sections, but other areas you go and, and what you run into is these water rights uh, issues where you right. have natural uh, water flow. So say, for instance, somewhere like Goat Canyon in San Diego, well, when they get flood there, they have to open up the gates and illegals jump in the water and actually flow down through the sewage. Border Patrol has to go in after them. I actually had a, was told that Border Patrol, that uh, you're seeing right here, the gaps in the walls uh, there. So they leave these gates open so that these you know federal workers can get in and out of them. So obviously, if you jump the fence here, it's really easy just to simply walk through that fence that's opened on the other side. That was down in Tijuana. It's, so it's a mixed bag. Depending on where you are, some of the walls work really well, and some of them, some of them don't work at all. But the bigger problem is it doesn't really matter at this point because the Biden regime ended the Remain in Mexico policy. That policy by itself was doing more to end uh, the, the human trafficking and smuggling that we have going across this border because it said you had to stay in Mexico or Central America until your asylum case was heard. In years past, we have leftist organizations down in Mexico and Central America training people. And before that policy was enacted, uh, they, they would simply come in, request asylum and be shipped into America. That policy worked to stop the vast majority of illegal border crossings. So Border Patrol could focus on the drug trafficking and human trafficking. Now that that policy has been ended, wall or not, people are just crossing. They're turning themselves into Border Patrol. Yeah. And we're having tens of thousands of people come in now. Uh, ben, as we wrap up here, uh, what is going on with this government sanctioned video down there? I mean, really, where are we in China? I mean, I mean, this is this is an outrage of what's happening. I, I mean, seriously, this is the United States of America. And we're getting uh, what government sanctioned video that, that none of the major media networks seem to care too much about complaining uh, that that loudly about. Right. Uh, when it was President Trump, they, they wanted full access. Now that it's uh, Joe Biden, they don't care. They don't seem to care. This is they don't want the story out. There's a reason why they're trying to uh, put a gag order on Border Patrol is because they know how bad it is. And that's why we're down here. That's why Real America's Voice. That's why Just the News is down here exposing what's really happening. And so we're going to continue to do it. Uh, yeah. So stay tuned. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Stay tuned. We're down here for about another week. And uh, I, I can promise you what we're going to show you will shock you. Really? Now, Ben, you've, you're teasing me. I only got 30 seconds. Can you give me another line or two? What should we expect? I mean, without giving me the whole thing, what can you tell me, Ben? Well, I'll tell you, we're starting here in McAllen. We're going to make our way back across the border. We're going to take you to places that no other media has taken you before. Uh, some of the footage I got yesterday, never before seen footage, cartel members yelling across the water, threatening our lives, uh, basically calling them in reinforcements. So we had to get out of there uh, and then taking you to where the the human trafficking is really happening, showing you what's happening with these children that are being brought across. It's yeah. it's it's a humanitarian disaster. And, you know, again, it's an honor to be able to tell the real story. Well, Ben Burkwam for with Real America's Voice doing real journalism there on the border. Ben, thanks so much. Really appreciate you. Thank you, sir.
All right, uh, boy, and uh, I like the hat on a separate uh, fashion note. By the way, I was on the border, uh, like I said, during the Obama administration, and we would go along with Border Patrol literally monitoring the Rio Grande on one of those uh, you know, boats they've got there, and they would literally monitor. Now, at times, the Rio Grande is, it, it can be big, but uh, most of the time, actually, on the border, is pretty small. I mean, literally 15 feet between uh, where I was, California uh, and, and Mexico. So this is uh, part of the terrain down there. Back in a moment with the last sip. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Uh, my favorite uh, segment of the show. Don't tell any of the guests that, by the way, uh, because every, every time they're on, I say, you're my favorite segment of the show, because I have to say that. No, I, I, I like the whole show. What am I even talking about? All right, let's just, today, it, it's time for the last sip. Uh, that was so weak, by the way, just the last sip, whatever. Uh, let's do the poll today, shall we? The water cooler. Poll of the day. We got double poll of the day today. I'm not getting paid any extra, FYI. Here's the first one. Which of the following governors do you believe had the most effective response to COVID-19? This is interesting. Ron DeSantis. Should we give him a clap? Let's give him a clap. I don't know. I shouldn't clap, probably. 22% Ron DeSantis. 12% uh, uh, Gretchen Whitmer. We call her Queen Whitmer here at the water cooler. 8% Greg Abbott. Uh, that, i got to be honest with you. That's a disappointing number for Greg Abbott based on the fact that you're in Texas, the Lone Star State, Freedom, and you're coming in at 8%. He had some issues. Uh, Andrew Cuomo. Uh, speaking of issues, 15%. Uh, actually believe he had the most effective response. Isn't that interesting? Really? Uh, that feels a bit dated. It, the poll's not dated, but that is uh, questionable. 5% say uh, Ohio's uh, Mike DeWine. He's in there, of course, because he started this whole thing in March. He was one of the first governors to say uh, we're cracking down on COVID. And then the old 38% say, look, not sure. I don't even know who any of these people are. Uh, probably on the not sure, uh, though they, I'm sure they know who uh, I am here at the water cooler. Thank you very much. Uh, here's the second poll. Which of the following governors do you believe had the worst response to COVID-19? 19% Florida's Ron DeSantis. But remember, the, the, the actual folks that approved of him was 22%. So that's actually good for him. Uh, Whitmer, same, 8%. Uh, Greg Abbott, look at that. The worst response, much higher, 16%. Cuomo, much, much higher, for a 28%. Now, that's more like it, sorry, analysis. 2% uh, Mike DeWine and the old 27%, not sure. We, Madison, we have got to talk to the not sure people. Can, can we get them on the set next time, like all of them, 27% of them? Because I, I think we should get them on the set, uh, and I think that would be an actually an interesting focus group. Uh, but, you know, it, it, it's kind of, and I'm just going to say it right now, folks, we need to have an informed citizenry, citizenry, citizen, citizenry, can, put that on the blooper reel. I can't even say that word, but you know what I'm saying. You need to be an informed citizen, okay? Uh, and this whole 28% not sure, I think it's time to be sure. Maybe not about that whole question specifically, but when it comes to issues and what's going on in America, let's not be not sure. Back in a moment. Welcome back to the water cooler, everybody. Uh, the end of the show. I've worked up a sweat. That means I'm going to have a good dinner tonight. Uh, joining me now, Anna Perez, Real America's Voice Correspondent. You're back on the show. Back on. That, that's, yeah. And that's a good thing, by the way, let me just say. 
Anyway. Well, I'm happy to be here. Okay, good. I'm <laughs> glad you're happy to be here. All right, so what's going on? I heard you're going to talk about Bernie and Trump at Twitter. What, what's happening here? Right. So right now, well, Bernie Sanders did an interview with the New York Times where he actually criticized Twitter for banning Trump, saying that he's uncomfortable with the fact that Trump was banned because it could happen to anyone, hmm. you know? And I think... Um, that, that highlights a very important issue that his party seems to be ignoring right now, mm -hmm. which is that, you know, anything in regards to cancel culture or big tech's power mm -hmm. can affect anyone. Yes, right now it's the president or the former president, um, but, you know, who's next? Mm -hmm. And here's the thing with Bernie Sanders. Uh, what's interesting, I'm, he's, he's off the charts liberal, but mm -hmm. there's a libertarian streak. Too. He was an independent. I mean, technically is an independent. Uh, and so it's interesting to just see him kind of stand up for uh, so, some of these free speech issues because he, he kind of is a bit all over the place uh, ideologically at times. Yeah, so. absolutely. And I think, you know, that's something that, you know, Obviously, I vehemently disagree with a lot of his agenda, mm -hmm. but I would say that, you know, I do have respect for him for going against his own party in this regard. Mm -hmm. um, that can be difficult sometimes for them, obviously. Mm -hmm. But I also think that there's some similarities with, you know, he's also establishment, just anti, sorry, anti-establishment, just mm -hmm. like Trump was. Um, and I think that there's something to be said for that, you know, mm -hmm. and it begs the obvious question. Is it really the Bernie Sanders that we should be scared of here, or is it the snakes in the grass like Nancy Pelosi and you know Joe Biden, who can go you know wherever makes sense for their party? You know, suddenly they care about the free market when it comes to big tech, and they say, oh no, they can do whatever they want because mm -hmm. it's a private company. It's like, oh, that's interesting because apply that to like you know your racism arguments or you know reparation arguments or whatever, anything about race, and they're you know suddenly they throw those things out the window. And I know we talked about that before, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for the fact that he's calling this out. Like you said, he's all over the board, so I'm not saying he's necessarily a consistent, you know, person. But uh, yeah, it's definitely it definitely yeah. says something. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, because he knows. I mean, cancel culture could come try to cancel him out and censorship and all that stuff. So, Anna, uh, Bernie, by the way, is he making an appearance today? Because I, I know Bernie, you never know where Bernie is going to appear. Is Bernie even on this set today at all? Oh, okay, he didn't make an appearance. All right. Well, I thought he had, you oh. never, oh, there he is. Uh, Anna, I'm sorry, you've been now replaced <laughs> by Bernie Sanders. How do you feel about that? Well, I've I got look five amazing. seconds. I look very warm. <laughs> you do. And those are, that's a heck of a fashion statement with those uh, mittens, by the way. <laughs> Anna Perez and Bernie Sanders. See you tomorrow.